0: i've lost all of my pride i've been to paradise
1: and out the other side
2: hello With and no welcome to the me. choose your own adventure adaptation of the podcast mildly please you only get to make one choice and it's right here at the beginning keep listening or turn off the podcast Ooh, good choice. You chose to keep listening, so I'll tell you that we are Sean Lemmy, John Otney,
0: and Colin Westman,
2: and we're going to talk about the top ten movies of 2018 tonight. Hell yeah! <laughs> I really wanted—I really wanted to put
1: Bandersnatch on my top ten list, but. I think we decided, Sean, that it's a, it's a video game. I call it a video game. <laughs> it is a video game. You play it. It's just this very cinematic video game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doesn't really satisfy you in the way that a movie does. It satisfies you in a different
2: way. Like yeah. a sense,
1: there's a sense of accomplishment.
2: I did log in on my letterbox though. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> so we have no shame. It's just it's a
1: movie you can beat.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We won the movie.
2: But I think all of these movies are winners. <laughs> Me too. Um I I liked a lot of what I saw in 2018 and I have a hard time deciding if it's a weak year or a strong year when I end up having like 15 20 movies I want to put on my top 10 list. I think it's a weak year.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that would be an easier de- decision to make if they're if they're that, it if they're that they're good. It seems like they're all the right level of I mean we all have a different obviously a different mm-hmm. way we write things, but for me it, it, when it came down to making my list I was like yeah these are all Most of these are about the same for me And I mean just look at like the award ceremonies And how those are a total shit show I think that just goes to show that No one really knows what's good right now
0: yeah. Green Book could win Best Picture this year.
1: Yeah it won the Producers Guild Award And I think that usually goes on to win Best Picture Not always mm-hmm. it didn't uh, in the year of La La Land And a few other years but Yeah I just don't see how it can with the backlash it's received So I'm still pulling for Roma I think has a good shot
2: That'd be great uh, I wonder when the Academy actually votes Is it after the nominees come out or
1: I've never been sure I know they announced the nominees on January 22nd Which we'll, I'm sure will have passed by the time this podcast comes out I think there's I want to say there's still voting going on Because there's probably grounds right? The rounds to select the nominations and then from the nominations to the winners
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's like a date that you have to have your votes in by Which is probably, you know, a week or two before the actual ceremony Uh It's
1: always so discouraging when you hear about uh, how some voter supposedly like The Lesser Kid, which of the animated movies did you like the best? Or like, don't watch them all, Uh. stuff like that It just like sounds like a... Like a load of shit. Though I guess yeah. that's what all those kind of things are. It's funny that the Oscar nominations are coming out the same day as the Baseball Hall of Fame announcement because I feel like that's also something that's harshly criticized for the way it's yeah. gone about with their selection process.
2: <laughs> I wonder if baseball players also are expected to throw parties for like the the baseball press and you know, Rally uh, <laughs> like bags of iPads and stuff to them. Or if all that's right. just a Hollywood thing. Mm-hmm. Well, we're having a party here. With all yeah, and we all got time. 20 movies to talk about, so let's uh, let's not dilly-dally any longer. And we'll talk about... Uh, we put them in alphabetical order, as is usually the case. Uh, and so the first one is one that was only on my list. Uh, it was Annihilation, which was an uh, Alex Garland film. He also had done um, Ex Machina, and it sounds like... He basically did that Dread movie a couple years ago. That's so crazy,
1: yeah. If you go to like Wikipedia and IMDb, it now credits him as co-director.
2: Yeah, <laughs> um, and, and I really like Alex Garland um, as, as both a director and a writer. Um, and I really enjoyed Annihilation. Uh, I think it was the Red Litter Media guys that pointed out that like this is the movie that people are always asking for. It's a original sci-fi film with an all-female cast and um you know some shocking horror visuals as well as um interesting sci-fi concepts and basically no one went out to see it it was such a flop that it only came out in theaters here it was uh, a netflix exclusive everywhere else in the world um but we had the the pleasure of going to see it with some jerk sitting next to john (laughs)
1: Yeah, he actually answered his phone in the, Like you, you see people like messing around on their phones I'm like, okay, yeah, it's distracting the light But he answered it, he's talking on the phone He's clearly not interested, why don't you just walk out for a minute I don't know But, you know, the people forced him out so that was yeah, and and The movie was pretty good after that yeah. As someone who's read the first book of the of Jeff Vandermeer's Southern Reach I think there's four of them, or mm-hmm. three I think the stuff they added was made it better. I, I I think yeah they they took it and they made it totally like it's this totally new thing, but all the elements they added made it way more interesting. Because I feel like the book just has like some creepy vines. It doesn't really have like a lot of like creatures and stuff. And this had creatures, not just creatures like really creative creatures. I mean, everyone talks about the bear and how it's the scariest thing ever. It yeah. might have been one of the scariest things I saw at the theaters this year. So yeah, that like that's how you deviate from source material. You kind of use it to inspire you. But it still like feels like it's in the same vein, tonally.
2: Yeah, and, and, and obviously, like you mentioned, it's like four books, and Alex Garland only ever had the intention of making the one movie. Yeah, I don't uh, even know if you read the the books. <laughs> any of the books. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Probably, he, he must have at least read the first book. Maybe he just read the back.
2: He's like, oh, there we go. Uh, so one last question. Should I bump this off the list now, since it only made mine and it was my number 10? I mean, I think it's a plus <laughs> that we've all seen it.
0: So... Um. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I, what, what Was it number 10? It was my number 10. Yeah, I just feel like with that math, it's probably not going to. But there are some movies that, may I don't know, that not all of us saw that ended up on like one of our lists. I, don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think we all like that movie mm-hmm. overall, so I don't know. All right, I won't bump I it yet. I think you could But we got to be mindful of
2: bumping things. Uh, sure. And always forget. It's not that big
0: a deal, though, to just do it at the end when we get to the list enough okay. know, portion
2: because <laughs> um, we are going to have to lose half this list just like we lost half the living population uh, of the universe I believe everything <laughs> at the end well, of right. uh, Avengers Infinity War um, I believe the Russos have even said that they meant that includes like plants and you know uh, all animals just everything anything that's alive half of it's gone which is pretty wild, because I feel like Thanos' thing was resources, and plants and animals are kind of an important resource for humans to survive.
1: Wait, so they, they actually said plants?
2: Yeah. Hmm, I feel like that's a problem, yeah,
1: like on Earth. Wouldn't that deplete like a lot of the yeah, oxygen? That would be like, super bad for us. <laughs> and we're just like... <laughs>
2: <laughs> what if uh, the Ed, Thanos is like, time to rest? <laughs> <laughs> Just cut to Black's right before his <laughs> asthma attack. <laughs> um, maybe that's not canon. Maybe that's just them fucking people. Uh, but uh, Avengers Infinity War is the superhero movie that made anyone's list this year. It was on both John and my own. Uh, I think we both put it there uh, because it's just an amazing feat of i don't even want to call it filmmaking because we've already established in previous years that marvel movies aren't movies they're just the, their own sort of media but um i think most of them are movies <laughs> Go on.
1: they have a beginning middle and end they have an arc a conflict this one was just kind of weird because it was part one of mm-hmm. something we always knew that was going to be two parts and it had so many characters that you couldn't really have like one primary protagonist mm-hmm. except i guess the villain was kind of the protagonist yeah in a way, like he, I think he's like actually doing like a good thing. But, like, <laughs> <laughs> this is so much. But yeah, like I I went into this movie like this isn't gonna work, man. Come on, there's there's like fifty people on screen, mm-hmm. but it's because we've spent ten years with these characters. We know them all so well that we don't need that much because we know their stories. We mm-hmm. know their arcs. This is kind of just like padding
2: onto that. That I enjoy and they uh indulge in combinations of characters that we haven't seen yet but kind of makes sense for the the people we know like uh Doctor Strange and Iron Man is a great combination of characters because they're basically the same guy except one's all about science and one's all about magic
1: or Thor and the Guardians or, they're all they're
2: they're yeah. both kind of the comic relief of their
1: organizations mm-hmm. you know so of their movies I guess and I, I like I I don't usually like the action set pieces in these movies, but I kind of like the ones in this movie. I don't know why. Um, it just it works for me, especially when they fighting Thanos at the end. It felt clear. I I, I think I don't know. Did do the Russos get to do any of their own action directing? Because you've heard about that <laughs> yeah. like controversy lately with like newcomers coming in and they don't really the second unit takes care of all mm-hmm. the action set pieces. But I wonder since the Russos have been doing this for a while, if they get more of a say in that
2: yeah yeah you hear the russos talk so specifically about the action that i do think that they're kind of an exception um i guess they've earned the right through uh i don't know civil war and, and winter soldier i guess to they prove themselves i don't know how much the like second unit action team thing has been um i don't know how long it's been a thing i mean to say i don't know if that's if that's a this recent phase or if it's all the way that they've had that be the case.
1: It feels better. Maybe it's just my imagination. Colin, uh as someone who's less a fan of superhero movies, did the action in Avengers feel any different? Did this movie feel any different than any of the other ones to you?
0: Uh, y- yes. Kind of, kind of in a negative way, to be honest. Like The first half of it, I just found... Pretty exhausting <laughs> Like it's weird because I Agree that it, it it has Lots of fun scenes of the Characters interacting with each other But there just feels like there's Too much and like There's just so much catching up That it feels like it's Like an hour and a half To two hours before it actually gets To the movie <laughs> where they're Actually you know fighting Thanos And I feel like the action sequences towards the end are good and I feel like things like actually solidify in a in a decent way towards the end of the movie but it's weird it's just like there's a lot of things I like about it like Thanos is a good villain but it just like I don't know the movie feels kind of like a mess to me <laughs> and it's weird because I didn't have that problem with like the first Avengers I didn't have it with Civil War but this was kind of the one where it, it did Feel like there was just too many goddamn characters. Yeah. Even if I, you know, I I liked seeing them
2: play off of each other. How but many people can name the the four of Thanos' children that get killed off over the course of this movie? Are you asking us? Actually, yeah. you're just yeah. No, I'm saying I don't think any of us at this table could name all four of them.
1: Not right now. No. <laughs> I I could when I saw it.
2: Mm-hmm. I know there's one called Corvus Glaive.
1: Oh, that's right. They all have two part names. It's like Metal Gear Solid name. Yeah, <laughs> Ma.
2: Is
0: someone's
1: Yeah.
0: I, I mean, I, I think Black, Proxima Midnight. I like Black Midnight more than this movie yeah. for naming best Marvel movie of the year. Just because, you know, as Sean was talking about, it felt like a, a movie. And, yeah. and it had a really good villain. I, I don't think there's any
1: argument with that. and I don't know. And I, I think that's the reason why it stood out for me as opposed to some of the other Avengers movies. Because I'm not a huge... I feel like I'm in the minority on the first movie. I'm not a huge fan of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of the second one. I feel like I I know I know what's going on. Like I really understand the villain's plan. Like it makes a lot of like it doesn't make sense, but like I get it. Like I get mm-hmm. what he, I get what the end goal is, and it seems very clear to me. And I feel like the stakes are high because to do his plan, we clearly know what needs to be done and what will happen to everybody. Whereas some of the other ones, I, like sometimes I kind of know the villain's plan. I'm not really sure what's uh, I don't know. It, it kind of loses me at some point. And this one, I felt like. Even if it was a mess to get there, I always knew what the stakes were and what the end game was. Mm-hmm.
2: Nice. I really <laughs> want to end on that note. So, um, who wants to talk about The Ballad of Buster Scruggs?
1: Did this, only make, this only made my list, right?
2: I think it might have been on Collins. No. Nope? No? Honorable mention.
1: But, uh, yeah. Just general. Uh, yeah, no. I, I love the Coens. I've seen all their movies. It's It's been... I feel like it's been a little while since I've... What was the last couple of ones before this? There was...
0: Hail Caesar! Inside Lou and Davis. Was there one in between? There, another
1: one, right? (laughs) I don't remember. Hail Caesar, the last one.
2: I feel pretty comfortable saying Hail Caesar was the last one.
1: Yeah. Such a
0: gap. Um, I guess they've slowed down. I mean, they had that run like late two thousands where they were doing a movie a year, basically. Like a no, really good No yes. Country for Old Men, Burn After Reading, a Series of Man. Maybe you're thinking of
2: uh, True Grit,
0: were like all in succession.
2: Didn't they write Bridge of Spies?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Did they write like a George Clooney
1: movie, too? Oh, yeah. yeah. Suburbicon, right? Yeah. yeah, people didn't like that. Supposedly like they wrote that one a while ago. With the Matt Damon. But uh, whatever the case, I felt kind of checked out with the, the Coens, and every once in a while I need something to. Um, rekindle that. And I, I'm never sure what I want from them. I'm never sure if I want them to yeah. kind of do something funnier or do pull another No Country for Old Men out. And what I liked about Buster Scruggs is I kind of got all the little pieces of the Coen Brothers that I like. You get, mm-hmm. There's some dark depressing stuff in here and there's some very almost cartoonish stuff in Buster Scruggs. It's a good mix of their strengths. And it was it was interesting seeing it in those like bite-sized samples. And I get that maybe not all of those stories are that strong on their own. Mm-hmm. But all weave together. It's just, it's like this great like uh, director's reel of just everything that they can do and all the talent that they can, um, they can bring in and, and, and give great performances. And it was one of the first Netflix movies that I watched where I was like, this doesn't really feel like a Netflix movie. This very much feels like a, like a movie I would go and see in the theaters. I don't know <laughs> what makes those other movies not feel like real movies. But this one felt like a real movie. Yeah,
2: it's a good point. Definitely, this was Netflix's strongest year for movies. I mean, we already talked about Annihilation, which is a basically Netflix exclusive, and we're going to have a few more uh, as we go through this list. I don't think it's ever happened.
0: It is odd, though, because when was the last time you went to a theater to see an anthology film? I'm sure John has, maybe just Mm -hmm. because you see more horror movies.
1: Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen an anthology in theaters. I've seen plenty of that. There's like... Ones that have come out more recently, like the VHS movies. In theaters, though, this, ah, I don't think it's ever happened. <laughs> okay. I can't, I can't think of it. And that's probably a good reason for this to come to something like Netflix, because I don't think anthology movies do particularly well in theaters. Probably not. There's not really any, it's never really happened. Mm-hmm. So this is, this is perfect for it to come out, I guess, on Netflix. And it's great, because, you know, if you get bored just a couple more minutes, you'll get to, to the next one. <laughs> Sure What's everybody's favorite segment? I, I wrote in my review that I really liked the depressing one With Liam Neeson and the guy with no arms and legs uh, I liked the uh, the
2: gold digging one
1: <clears throat> Colin, do you have a favorite?
0: Uh, should I just pick another one?
2: I don't care <laughs>
0: <laughs> What were the other ones? There's we'll the, the
2: um, Franco one where he's trying to rob a bank oh. and There's uh, the actual Buster Scruggs yeah. Opening with one People
1: in, all the, in the horse-drawn carriage and the one with uh, Zoe Kassan.
2: Yeah, the poor woman.
0: Yeah, I think I might like that one the best. <laughs> yeah, Pretty, one. Pretty sad, though.
1: What's the name of that dog?
0: President Pierce? President Pierce, yes. <laughs> it's
1: great. And I thought it was cool that supposedly these are all stories that they'd had for a while and they never thought they'd really do anything with them. And then somebody approached them and was like, hey, you should all put them all together. And it's like, all right, let's do it. So that was kind of cool to think that, like, oh, this story could have been written like 30 years ago
2: yeah i i think for me it was like i just have the coen brothers comparisons right like i have no country for old men as like the great post old west western movie and also i have true grit as uh like a fantastic actual old west western movie that they both made and i just didn't feel like any segment of buster scruggs lived up to that for me um and and so just that's what kept it from, from being a movie I really, really loved like those ones. It just didn't... I didn't feel like it was as good as they could have made it.
1: You don't think that... I think this is probably the best they could have done with an anthology movie. Maybe.
2: Maybe. I'm just not that into the anthology. <laughs> Fair enough. So is um, the world. Otherwise,
1: there'd be an anthology that would have been a hit. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Netflix. Also, Netflix. Cam was a Netflix movie that mm-hmm. I watched. I had, didn't know what it was. It popped up... On my page uh, it, it didn't really seem like Something that I would be that interested in I mean it was a horror movie But I, I, it was about cam girls And I was like Oh that could be kind of like Creepy gross sex stuff mm-hmm. You know that's When it comes to horror movies I don't really like Going into the topic of sex Because they usually take it In a very very dark place This movie is kind of dark But um Not in the sick Perverted like 120 days of Sodom Kind of way that it could have gone <laughs> Um it's way more about uh, just the sense of losing your identity. It's about a cam girl who is uh, trying to make a living, trying to become like a, a cam star, I guess. And then one day there's just a duplicate of her online doing this stuff, and she has no control. She can't delete the account. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's her trying to unravel the mystery of where this came from. And then she finds like, someone else. It happened to somebody else. And, but it's almost, like, just as interesting her just doing her day-to-day Uh, stuff as a regular cam girl like that stuff is creepy as is you don't even need to throw in the supernatural stuff (laughs) like there's a part where she uh, like one of her fans meets her and like that's creepy their interaction
2: yeah that's not a good thing
1: um so it's not for everybody it got pretty good reviews though and it was cool that it came to netflix because um i I i think that's the best place for something that's kind of a like a weird subject matter like that
2: yeah, it I saw uh, somewhere else. the AV Club had an article this weekend that was saying that, uh, that Cam was kind of like this year's Get Out and that it was a like social thriller and it should also win for best original screenplay, like Get Out did. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not that good.
1: <laughs> but uh, I really liked the, the lead performance in it, and it was interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be... It was my number 10, and... My number ten. I was just trying to throw something on there that was different. I really liked it, but or that Sean hadn't seen. That Sean hadn't seen. I wanted. I wanted some differences the differences between our lists. So I was like, I like this. No one's gonna watch it.
2: Ever since that year, I watched the crash reel. <laughs> yeah. Now I. Sean was like, Yeah. Matching me movies. How did movie. that
1: happen?
0: Did John like post his pics in a podcast form or something before you made your list?
2: No, Crashfield didn't make my list. I just watched it in like the day between John posting um, his list and we recorded the podcast. Okay, I was just making a joke.
0: Did you Did you watch Cam in I the have, Space? I didn't watch Cam. Between... Did you
2: watch any movies since you published uh, yours? Uh, no. Yeah, I feel like you got to take a little movie break after. You I haven't watched any movies
1: list. from 2018. Mm-hmm. books Ever nice. Cargo.
0: <laughs> I can't stop watching yeah. movies. I'm happy to, yeah. even though it probably could have crammed a little more in the days before. Um, we made our list, which you guys kind of did, but I was out of town while you guys were yeah. doing this together. So
2: it's okay, Colin. We forgive you.
0: Okay. Speaking of our next film, can you ever forgive me? Um. Yeah, I don't know what to say about this movie. Um,
2: great co-stars. Two, I think that's really what
0: it, it comes down to. Me is, is just spending time with um, Melissa McCarthy and uh, Richard E. Grant. Uh, Melissa McCarthy being this like washed-up writer of uh, biographies of famous random people, and Richard E. Grant this just kind of I don't even know what he is This low-life, like, drug addict Barfly Who's very charming Even though he's clearly kind of just living on the fringes He's a rascal He's a rascal, yeah And, I don't know, it's just just fun (laughs) Watching these two characters Who are, you know, kind of on on the fringes of, of... of the less glamorous side of new york and uh watching melissa mccarthy kind of hatch these plans of forging letters by famous authors and i don't know just like the whole feel of of the fact that the movie mostly takes place in like dusty old bookstores and after i saw the film i was like i i I just want to go to a bookstore right now even though i didn't need to because i have too many books I need to read because I was reading Harry Potter all of last year, but um, yeah, I, I just those two lead performances are great, and it's, you know it's kind of an unconventional movie about a writer, sort of finding her voice in a really weird way by copying the voices of more successful and respected writers. Um, yeah, it's just kind of a, a an odd, odd little. Movie that I enjoyed,
2: mm-hmm. and good for Melissa McCarthy to have this the same year. She also made that dumbass puppet movie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought I yeah. read or heard somewhere that originally this was supposed to star Julianne Moore. Do you think that would have been better, worse, different? Like,
2: how
0: no, <laughs> I mean, I, I like Julianne Moore, I don't know if she'd be right for this part.
2: Julianne Moore's so glamorous, it's hard to imagine, being yeah. that pathetic. like, Mr. McCarthy's
0: so, like, perfectly frumpy and <laughs> <laughs> misanthropic in this movie that, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know if Julian yeah. Moore would pull it off as well.
2: Just give her another cancer movie. Yeah. So she can get some more Oscars.
0: <laughs> she needs them.
2: Cancer movie? Oh well, no! It was okay. an Alzer Al 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 Alka-Seltzer movie. Alzheimer's movie. She, she becomes
0: addicted to Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> I just need that fizz.
2: <laughs> could that? Do you think that could do? Like, could that be bad if you drink like a lot? Uh, you have too much.
1: Food. Yeah. Well, I used to drink to throw up, so yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. <Baekhold noise> Um, speaking of throwing up, there's a lot of gross stuff going on in 8th grade.
0: But which... is there throwing up? I don't feel like there
1: was.
2: I feel like there could have been. But yeah. like you're so embarrassed you're not
1: throwing You kind of want
2: to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> There's just so many, um, anxiety-inducing scenes in this movie. Um it's so good it captures this feel that i can't i don't like you think would be in a lot of coming of age movies but i can't think of many that like really put you into that intense feeling of like going to a pool party and everyone's in bikinis and their trunks and then for some reason everyone's shredded and gorgeous um or or like just trying to become part of a conversation at a mall cafeteria and 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 not knowing your spots to talk. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just thought this was a remarkable movie, Eighth Grade, especially given that it's directed by a fucking 28-year-old YouTube star who's never <laughs> made a movie before in his goddamn life.
0: Um, yeah, and I, and I like that it um, it taps into what it's like to grow up as a teenager now in a way that's not condescending because i feel like that happens a lot when hollywood tries to be hip and like tap into how kids are obsessed with their iphones now but it does it in a very like i don't know empathetic way and i mean that when we saw the screening bo burnham talked about the movie and how like you know kids now aren't just posting dumb shit on the internet they're like bearing their souls on it like it's like a much deeper experience that that kids have with with the internet at this point point. and this movie does a, a really nice job of of tapping into that
2: yeah i've heard other people talk about how hard it is to convey um the way we use technology on film being super boring because like the way we always text and browse and 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 do that stuff and i thought this movie did a great job of showing her addiction to her gadgets without necessarily making it pathetic but not like glamorizing it and making it cool either it's Mm -hmm. it's just that's life now then you gotta deal with it
0: also i like that scene at the end where she meets she finally meets like the good kid and he's got all his different sauces for chicken
2: (laughs) nuggets Good stuff. Yeah, he knows what he's doing. He's a pro.
1: I got extra McNuggets tonight for free, but I didn't have any extra sauce. Oh, it's fucking terrible. What's your go-to sauce? (laughs) Honey mustard. Me too. Colin. Uh, you don't know. Yeah, I (laughs) I know. How many are there? It's like honey
0: mustard, barbecue, sweet and sour. You have no idea. There's so many now. Yeah, I haven't gotten. (laughs) There's like mac sauce. Yeah.
2: I think I only had Barbecue Sweet and Sour Ranch and Honey Mustard That's as far as I've ever gone Yeah I mean, it's hot mustard Hot mustard It was temporarily They got rid of it And they brought it back by popular Is that beer. like a Like a Dijon uh, Like a Grey It is kind of like a Dijon
1: I'm sure it was in that I'm sure it was in that Kid's little display He had it all <laughs> That's my comment.
2: Yeah. I don't think they list all the sauces on the menu at the drive-thru, so you gotta just know. You just them. gotta know, man. You gotta, like,
1: take <laughs> a leap of faith sometimes.
2: <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that ties into the favorite, but I guess that's our segment. Pick your
1: favorite sauce, you
2: know? <laughs> oh, um, okay. God, it was so easy. <laughs> I got lost in the leap of faith thing. <laughs>
0: um,
2: so the favorite was on Colin's list.
0: Yep. Um... I should probably <laughs> go about seeing the rest of Yorgos Lanthimos's movies. I, uh, I like I like this one a lot, and I like the the lobster too. Um, it, I, I feel like he's definitely an acquired taste, but it's uh, it's it's a pretty fun like specific zone to watch these actors operate in, mm-hmm. and especially in a, a genre like a, a European costume drama where. You know, it's really hard to be interested in any movie taking place in that period. That's just a bunch of rich people whining about their problems, which this movie kind of is. But it, like, takes it to a kind of more more visceral, just, like, complete dark humor. And, yeah. And, uh... Yeah, the
2: queen in this is killing herself with her decadent lifestyle. And it's not glamorous at all. It's revolting.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the three main actresses that it are,
1: are really good. I'm so mad I didn't see this movie. I wanted to see this movie. Well,
2: we we're developing a pattern where in even number years, Colin and I see his movie, and in odd number years, you see it because you saw the lobster a year before <laughs> us. That's right. <laughs> I, had, uh, I had I feel like I was the only person
1: in the world. <laughs> who liked Killing of a Sacred Dude. He was on my top ten hmm. last year. I love Dogtooth. And I know he didn't write this one, so I don't know no, how mm-hmm. similar it is tonally, but at least what I liked about the other ones is obviously they're always shot in a very interesting, like a lot of wide, a lot of interesting lenses, but oh, also yeah. like everyone talks like, like an alien or something, yeah. and it's weird. It's like this is how people talk. It's always like very direct and blunt, which I like. Yeah. So I don't know how much of that he's carried over. Yeah. You guys have seen at least yeah. yeah. the lobster, so I mean. No, we'll... no, it's
0: pretty much the same. It's okay, just, you know, a, a more sort of antiquated English vernacular, against
2: um, With some delightful contemporary touches. The, yeah. The, the party dance <laughs> is remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's all we're going to say about that. So I'll move us on to the first of two first movies yeah. uh, the, the First Man, which was a. Not a wedding movie. Not a wedding movie.
1: I thought he would call their best man their, their, first,
2: best man, man. their first man. <laughs> I
1: don't know why I had to like, Oh, that's a good, good joke. First man. Best man. <laughs> 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 um,
2: so, this is a, a Neil Armstrong biopic from Damien Chazelle of La La fame, but also Whiplash fame. Uh, also starring the Goose Man uh, in a very. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> it's interesting. Comment. <laughs> uh, and a very uh, divisive, cold performance. At, at... You mean his career? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know why people are like really. I guess because Neil Armstrong is a real person. They just didn't like that approach to this character. <laughs> Got to be Bradley Cooper, Sean. Yeah, yeah that's what people want to see. Have him do a goofy voice and goofy voice, grow a beard, and his hair. Directed out. by Clint Eastwood. Yeah. yeah, is he
0: like doing his American voice from American Sniper? Hell yeah, he's doing his
2: American voice.
0: Want to go to
1: the? And there's so many American flag shots.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, I feel like Jason Clark is doing all those things in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Also, how come Jason Clark looks humongous in First Man and he doesn't seem like that big in anything else I've seen? I always,
1: thought I always assumed
2: he's bigger. Okay. I, I guess just seeing him next to Ryan Gosling all the time, he just seems gargantuan. I'm
1: going to look this up. I'm going to do some comparison. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, I, I mean, the thing about the space race is um, that through modern eyes, we see it as, oh, people didn't actually care about space and exploration. It's just America wanted to beat Russia, and that's a hard reality for people to face. Um, and, the, and first man like still manages to kind of make it about humanity instead of just America. I mean, it doesn't shy away from the political motivations uh, of this whole operation, but uh, you know, the, the big criticism was that they don't show. The flag being placed in the ground On the moon at the end They do show the flag on the moon so It's not like it's not there They didn't edit it out They just don't make a big deal out of it um,
0: It's not like super slow motion
2: Great radio
0: Well uh <laughs> Yeah I made a sound effect There <laughs> you go And the uh, national anthem plays mm-hmm like, players Like, it's so... <laughs>
2: yeah um, By the way the, in Seeing it in IMAX They they do a transition Where the camera gets sucked out Of the rocket Onto the moon And that's also how it transitions From CinemaScope to IMAX It scared the shit out of me It was amazing <laughs> wow. It was the coolest thing um,
0: Sounds way better than my movie <laughs> <like> experience Where <laughs> I... Saw it in the theater with not great soundproofing, so uh, there are lots of parts where I could hear Bohemian Rhapsody in the theater <laughs> next door. That sounds pretty good. And there's like, because it, it's, yeah, it's pretty bad because there are moments where there's just, you know, the silence and yeah. you hear the space noise. Mm-hmm. So there's one part where they finally, like, get up into space and they're just floating and it's completely quiet. And then I just hear. <laughs>
1: Queen would work really good for space. I mean, they oh, yeah. Flash Gordon, Sandra. I <laughs> would just love him coming back <laughs> and then, we are the <laughs> champions. <laughs> of mm-hmm. So why did this disappear from the awards race?
2: I don't have a clue. <laughs> it's really confusing to me. Like those, those the two, the two things are brought up are the two main criticisms I've heard: that Ryan Gosling's performance is too cold, and that. Um, it doesn't have enough America in it. He's not even <laughs> colder than he was in like La La Land. Sounds kind of weird. Eh, he's a little colder
0: than <laughs> he's in La La. Um, this
1: thing's always cold. Yeah, it was a
0: weird thing for me with this movie because I saw it and I was fine with it. I, I liked it all right, I, uh, but I was, I guess, I just assumed it would get a bunch of awards recognition. So I was like, yeah, I don't know if it'll deserve it. But now that it's been overlooked, I'm like, that movie's kind of underrated because <laughs> yeah. it has a lot of things in it that I like. I think, um, yeah, maybe like just the main thing that I guess was a little hard for me to get over is the fact that Neil Armstrong is just a really hard <laughs> biopic subject to make interesting because he is just a guy just doing his job, just wants to go to the moon. There's not like a, like that much of an angle to go with, except for what they do go with, which is that he's kind of plagued by the trauma of his kid dying. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I I like the, the, the score is great in the, in the, the cinematography. And it definitely has the, the moments of awe and wonder that you would want in a space movie. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I liked it overall. It, it is a bit weird that yeah. it's been kind of forgotten.
2: Uh, our next uh, nominee is the other first movie first reformed, one of the uh, the rare on everyone list on everyone's list movies. Uh, we all watched it at roughly the same time because we had like a, a tiny rental period to get through with it, right?
0: That sounds right.
1: Yes, this is correct. Thank God I, for Red bones. <clears throat> Yeah, I remember seeing the, the trailers, and I think the first thing that struck me was just how it was shot. Mm. You know, not widescreen. Mm. Or that f- was 4-5? I should know that. 4-3? 4-3. Three. Three. And uh, that visually looked really interesting. Uh, and then the reviews were really good, and it was Paul Schrader, and obviously he's had quite the career. And um, it got all this buzz And it had been a while since he'd made a movie that anyone cared about So it was kind of interesting to see him, I guess, make his comeback movie um, But it wasn't until I actually sat down and watched it That I, I, I didn't really know what it was going to be about So then once you're finally watching it And you realize this this guy is kind of an existential crisis so It's like, oh my god, like, humanity is fucked And from the perspective of a a priest, too At this like historical church that no one cares about anymore which is a really interesting perspective. And it really makes you think and it really makes you scared. Like it's almost like a horror movie. It's really scary. <laughs> and it has those like creepy taxi driver vibes with like when he finds the suicide vest and he like puts it on. And he's like, well, Am I going to use this? Because there's like, you know, an industrialist in his community that's like responsible for shit like this. And mm-hmm. it just gives you a lot to think about. But it also, while remaining ambiguous and stylish, it just has so much to offer. And I think that's why I put it my number one.
2: Yeah, I think from the setup, you expect, or at least I expected it to be a movie about um, this guy who believes that his tiny church is is the right way to go, and this mega church that also owns his church is is the, the blasphemous, or at least the wrong. Yeah. But it's it's like actually, the people at the mega church are pretty supportive of him. <laughs> they just don't get it the way that he does. Um, Mm -hmm. and it becomes this environmentalist thing as it goes on Um, which is really cool and surprising for me even going into the movie not really knowing much about it Um, it just evolved the way that it did Um, I had a little trouble with the ending basically I I I think probably the the most memorable scene is also the one where I started kind of losing the movie was kind of losing points for me (laughs) Uh, you know, the, the one where they're laying on top of each other and they travel the world and who knows what else. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I enjoy that because I have yeah.
2: not seen that trippy shit coming. This is a <laughs> movie where there's no rules, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: it's almost like dips, this basically dips into fantasy a couple spots mm-hmm. here and there in a way much like Taxi Driver does in the end. Mm-hmm. Another movie that I feel like a lot of people Mix mixed feelings about the end. Of course, not quite, not nearly as good, but yeah. You know. <laughs> It made me want to watch more Paul Schrader. I was planning on watching a bunch before I saw it, and I only watched one. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was Yakuza, which is fine, but uh, I feel like he just got so much better films that he's made. It's always time. It's always time to watch The Canyons, whatever the hell that yeah. Lindsay Lohan movie's the called. So Lohan. Starring Lindsay Lohan and a porn star.
0: Is this the only movie that made all of our lists?
1: No. No. no okay.
0: No, we'll get to that other one, whatever it is. Oh yeah, now remember. Okay.
1: <laughs> the, the Ethan Hawke Renaissance continues. Yeah, yeah.
0: I've, I've enjoyed his late career.
2: This and Boyhood sort and Blaze, apparently great. I yeah, also directed a movie. No, no I us got Edward to see White. it. Yeah. And also Cedric the Entertainer. He's great. Mm-hmm. He's a really good actor. It's, it's interesting to see him
1: play something that you would assume is in his comfort zone. know he's also really good on that show that we watched one episode of but didn't really care for. Oh! Like the last OG or something. Yeah. Tracy Morgan. He was really good on that. Tracy Morgan. He's show. like the one thing that would have made me... Kept me interested in maybe watching another episode. Yeah. Or
2: we missed Tivoing like the first two episodes and we watched it on the TBS app and there were so many commercial breaks <laughs> so we couldn't bear to watch it. It's just Yeah, you're just watching... A bunch of
1: commercials that has a show every once in a while, and they're
2: all the same commercials every commercial break. That's what kills it. Streaming services—you need to find a way to detect what commercials you've shown me and show (laughs) different commercials. It's exhausting. And that's my transition to ghost stories. (laughs) Definitely, there had to have been something to transition,
1: but it doesn't matter now. Ghost stories uh, was a British movie from mostly. Comedy people, which is interesting because it's not particularly funny. <laughs> it's a very dark movie about a um, a guy who uh, basically debunks like psychics and mediums and paranormal stuff. But then, like, there's this old uh, paranormal investigator from the '80s who wants to work with them and asks him to investigate these three different uh, people and their stories. And he meets with each one, and then each one is a self-contained little ghost story. And the ghost stories are are, are pretty entertaining. They're not like anything super original, but they're inter- it's interesting that the kind of the direction they take with each one like with the, the first guy, like his encounters with ghosts actually had a positive effect on his life and oh, then like nice. another person like the exact opposite. And you don't know how these stories tie together. Um, and then you, near the end you kind of uh, it's hard to talk about without spoiling it, but like you start to realize that these are all reflections of the main character. And since you guys are probably never going to see this, do you want like to know like what the deal is? <laughs> right, this, sure. this, this is normally the kind of ending I would hate in a movie. Basically, you find out at the end that well, this old paranormal investigator guy is like Martin Freeman, who is also one of the guys in one of the other stories, and you find out this is all fake, and that he's actually like in a coma, and these are all people that work at the hospital that like um, you know he, he's like. Uh, with that thing where like his mind is awake, but the whole body is. Um, yeah, he's locked in. He's locked in. He's locked in. And there's details throughout the movie. Like there's someone who's locked in in this story, and like every part of every story that he's told is like a reflection of his life. Because when he was a kid, there was like some bullies are picking on a kid that he knew, and they like made him go off into some tunnels, and that kid had like an asthma attack and died, and he did nothing to help him. And um, I, th- I think that's what, what's so interesting about it is that that. I feel like the best ghost stories are about guilt and how this stuff haunts us. And it was just cool to see how the different parts of his personality split up into different ghost stories Mm -hmm. that he plays out over and over again. This movie was actually a stage play before it was a movie. Huh. Um, So I don't know how it would work, but it's it's, it's interesting. But I I normally hate stuff like, it's all a dream, or like... (laughs) Or like Shuttered Island, where it's like let him play out his fantasies. But then you just think about all the scenes. we like, what well, was he just talking to no one in the scenes? I, I don't usually like stuff like that, but I don't know. This it was so stylish and interesting. It was done in a way that I really enjoy it. Uh, obviously, there's so many details that I can't remember or don't feel the need to go into right now. That would make it sound a lot more interesting, but it's a very layered experience. So I think that was like I think that's my favorite horror movie of the year. I think I said that in my I think you did too. Yeah, so creepy, something that's creepy good though. Bad transition if feels Street could talk. Man, I wouldn't call it it's creepy It's not, 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 not creepy in the way that it's scary, but it's, it's like,
2: I can't believe how good this is. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of creeping me yeah. out. Uh, well, see, I gotta fight you on that one too, because this is a, this was a very Barry Jenkins movie and uh, I feel like this was very good in the you're gonna fight me on my transition on the, it, i feel like this was good in a moonlight sort of way it felt like the way that that movie made me feel um with its portrayal of horrible injustices through the lens of a very personal portrait of a, of a small group of characters that society just totally lets down super bummer super bummer
0: super bummer yeah well i I don't know yeah (laughs) it's an odd mix because yeah the subject matter of a a a man with a child on the way being put behind bars for a crime he we don't actually know if he committed or not. We assume not because he seems like a good guy, but you don't know. And I, I appreciate the ambiguity there. And, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. There's also something kind of intoxicating about the the music and the look of the movie and the, the romantic aspect of watching these people fall in love and having their love tested and, um, yeah, but it it is ultimately sad, and uh, I don't know, just just that kind of empathy towards, um, you know, black people who are obviously affected by uh, mass incarceration and the criminal justice system, and how it also kind of shows that, you know, some of the, the peripheral characters don't have a choice other than to turn to crime, because that's just the the way things are, and um, yeah, I I just found that, like, that mixture of empathy and the cold, hard facts of America, which of course is always uh, a through line in James Baldwin's writing, which this movie's an adaptation of, and uh, and also, uh, Barry Jenkins just, uh, you know, he he has a very intoxicating, uh, cinematic style. Yeah, did this only make my list? I feel no. like we all liked
2: it. It's just sure. yeah, yeah. Honorable mention for
0: me. Isle of Dogs, Sean.
2: Isle of Dogs is so good. And <laughs> um, like, obviously, the first comparison that comes to mind is Fantastic Mr. Fox, the other stop-motion animated Wes Anderson movie, mm-hmm. and that that movie I think felt a little derivative of wes anderson's other work
0: (laughs) yeah it definitely felt a little bit like tied to his kind of first phase of his career i would say Mm -hmm. where he did a lot of like ensemble movies about families and other wacky characters that the family interacts with
2: yeah and it's not like that's not really what's going on here like this still is very much a story in his wheelhouse of Lovable scamps And found families (laughs) uh, In an unusual setting But you know There's only one pop song In the whole movie It's true It's a Wes Anderson movie With only one Pop song The one from the trailer? Yeah
0: Mm, Yeah I mean Grand Budapest Hotel Doesn't have any pop songs I don't think Because it kind of predates uh, Wes Anderson's Like 60's pop wheelhouse (laughs) (laughs) So You know
2: yeah, I um the thing I wanted to write about in the review that I never published, um, but also talked about in, in my post, if you read that, is that I really liked how these aren't people that are dogs. They are dogs with voices <laughs> and they act like dogs. Yeah. They eat garbage and they get in fights and they puke and they poop. Uh, and they're like the little boys they're like they're, they're <laughs> like being with their masters mm-hmm. um i thought that was really insightful and adorable uh like come on it's the cutest movie of the year <laughs> um and uh yeah it's just it's a world i want to i want to spend time in because it's Uh, It's Wes Anderson's Sci-Fi Japan.
0: Yeah, and I I think the stop-motion is a step up, too, from Fantastic Mr. Fox, just because it's a bigger world. It feels like a bigger Mm -hmm. world, and the characters, I don't know, feel more fully formed. But, yeah, no, I I really loved this movie, too. Um, I really want to see it again, because it was just one of those movies, just just, pure entertainment laughs, visual inventiveness that it's just like you know every second that I was enjoying myself so and it came out in like march so I, I'd, I'd really like to see this one again yeah.
2: i'm just scared to buy it because every time i buy a West Anderson movie they come with a criterion like the next week it's true <laughs> i'm trying to wait it out is there a
0: grand budapest criterion yet yeah okay there <laughs> is. i'm pretty sure
2: there is i'm i'm sorry i might I might be wrong John, I know you were a little cooler on the film. Did you have any problems with it, or just not one that responded to you? It was
1: fine. Um, Just, I mean, we did. We talked about this on, like, I think our mid-year podcast. So I don't want to go too much into it. I I guess I will say one reason it wasn't on my list was um, just these movies. (laughs) Anderson movies are so busy now on screen. There's so (laughs) much on there. It's very. It's a lot to look at. It <laughs> hurts my eyes and it makes me sick. I'm tone, it, tone it
2: down a bit for me. Mm. It's good though. Um, the next one is Minding the Gap, a documentary. I was so afraid to watch this. Really? Because I thought it was going to be too sad.
1: <laughs> Life's sad. It's a real <laughs> documentary. <laughs> Like the sat- it's like the longest episode of True Life is ever they've ever done. it felt a lot like True Life.
0: <laughs> the MTV show. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well like true life, come on. Yeah. Well maybe not every I don't episode. Remember, <laughs> <honestly>.
0: <laughs> maybe it is. Uh
1: but yeah, these are skaters growing up in Rockford, Illinois. And one of the skaters is also the director, cinematographer, which is astounding because of the quality of mm-hmm, the film mm-hmm. and the fact that it spans so long like it's crazy that there's that much and that it's but it's still like hmm. it has like it found I don't know if they if he knew he probably didn't he probably found kind of like that narrative thread as he was going through it because it's about a lot of things, but I feel like a big thing that makes it such a hard watch is it's kind of about the cycle of violence that we repeat and that everyone has to live through, and you see how it affects one person and how they pass it on, and that's, that's like, it's just so hard to watch, but it, it's something that I feel like we should be aware of because it's so easy to ignore. Like, there's that one guy, I can't remember the, the, the white guy, but he was like, um, he, like, like, they were kind of afraid to talk to him about it because they're friends, you know. He was afraid to talk to him about it. But he's like, yeah, you know, I do it. But, like, and his girlfriend doesn't want to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, but it's this thing. It's this, and it's f- clearly affecting their lives and
2: relationship. And, yeah, I feel like that's got to be so intense to be interviewing, like, one of your two best friends. Yeah. And talking about, are you beating up your girlfriend, the mother of your child?
1: And all that stuff is is so hard, but, it, I mean, it it is, it is it is eye-opening and interesting. But it's weird to have that, and then have on the other side of the spectrum like them skating, how beautiful that is, and just them growing up together and hanging out. Like it's yeah. just, it's all of like adolescence and growing up and like kind of community, like condensed into one movie. That's just.
2: Yeah, I uh, for me that was the thing about *Mind the Gap* that was really special was that um, I've always thought of skateboarding as like cool and manly and dangerous and exciting um and not that it's not those things in this movie but it's 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 a release it's therapeutic in this it's almost transcendental the way that they present it with like uh, piano music and slow motion it, it seems liberating and freeing and you realize that uh, for these people who are like who are not happy with their lives it is literally a temporary escape from their reality, um, which really clicked for me as somebody who got on a skateboard and fell down once. And I was like, "Well, fuck this! It hurts too much to do."
1: <laughs> I feel like a lot of people say this is what mid nineties should have been. Kind of, I, I feel like I've I've heard a lot of people that I've, I've been very disappointed with that movie. I hmm. haven't seen it yet, but like that, this is how I mean. Obviously, one was a documentary, but this is how skitter culture like should affect you and is important. And here is like the wrong. Representation of it in this other movie, so I'd be curious to see that as kind of a
2: counterpart. Yeah, I
1: don't think Jonah Hill's a skater. But stuff when you watch these kind of movies, you want you you want to know what happens next because you know that this, this story is still going on. It's yeah. real. Yeah. So it's all, it, it kind of has that, like, effect, like, when you watch, like, one of the uh, one of the Up movies, you know, from the Up series, is you want to see well, how's it going to work out next. And I kind of hope that someday we get to return. Yeah,
2: uh, it's interesting because he does, uh, the, the filmmaker interviews his mom and talks about um, her relationship with his then stepdad who was abusive to him mm-hmm. and trying to understand her perspective on it. Um, and being confronted with that truth obviously has a massive effect on her. And so it, it does make you wonder what seeing this documentary will do to the, um, the other people who are in it, um, what their experience will be, and if it will be sort of an epiphany for any of them, but uh, time will tell. Just hope they don't hurt themselves real badly in the meantime. That's my transition to Vision Impossible Fallout. Uh, because the Mission Impossible movies are, of course, Tom Cruise's attempts to kill himself in front of a camera. Uh, do You think he's act? That's what? That's his goal. I think that's what he's trying to do. And uh, why like, won't I die? He's getting closer and closer. You know, this time they let him fly a helicopter. And he's
1: gonna wind
2: sail through a volcano. Mm-hmm.
1: Or one of those like a hand glider thing. <laughs> through a <little> active volcano. <laughs>
0: Scientology is a prison and the only way out is
1: through a volcano. <laughs> it's through ridiculous elaborate stunts. Uh,
2: my favorite making of uh, factoid that I know for Mission Impossible Fallout is that uh, Tom Cruise decided he wanted to fly a helicopter himself. He also decided he wanted to climb up to the helicopter uh, from while dangling from it. But that's another story. So he decided he wanted to fly the, the helicopter himself in the movie. Um, and the fastest course you can do uh, to fly helicopters takes three weeks. And so what he did was three lessons a day so he could do the three-week course in a week. So how many hours a day is that? I'm assuming that's like 16-hour day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Alright.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. He's nuts.
2: Uh, I love hearing other stories of actors talking about like signing on to a tom cruise movie and getting to like work out with him for a little bit and just like what that's like um i heard some interesting things about the mummy with um not nick miller but his real name jake johnson jake johnson (laughs) uh because he's like the buddy in that Mm -hmm. talking about how he felt so schlubby and then he got to work out with tom cruise (laughs) um so what's it like he's just He's very supportive and he like puts you immediately <laughs> on a regime and, you know, it's like the best week year or month or whatever of your life. So it's a positive experience. It is a positive experience. It seems it's like not everyone, an embarrassing experience all the way through. Not all the way through. So no. I'm, sure, I'm sure on I'm day sure. one when you're like 29 and he's 54, it's probably a little embarrassing when he's seven times in better shape than you. Yeah. Uh, but it seems like anyone who gets to know him really likes him, uh, which is unfortunate because he is the ambassador for an evil cult. <laughs> but Mission Impossible Fallout. Long story short, ended up being my favorite Mission Impossible <laughs> movie. I watched it like three times last year. Uh, I think it's
0: your favorite movie at this
2: point, it's, right? It's like it's up there. It's, it's funny that even like Mad Max Fury Road didn't get to be number one the year it came out. Because uh, you love the Star Wars Because I love the Star Wars just a little too much But they didn't. The, the Star Wars this year was bad So, well not bad It just, wasn't bad, it not, was
0: just extremely forgettable
2: Yeah, it's, it's so easy to forget it existed And so <laughs> uh, There was a big opening for Mission Impossible Fallout And there's no Fast and Furious movie this year either yeah. Not that I would ever feel okay Putting a Fast and Furious at number one Has it ever made the ten? I believe Furious 7 made the 10.
0: So good. should have been in my 10. What was I thinking? (laughs) I guess it's because I hadn't watched it on TV eight (laughs) times at that point. (laughs)
2: Um, Yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's like seven ridiculous stunts in this movie, (laughs) and they look ridiculous to watch. It's thrilling. Uh, At the time, I was telling Colin, it felt like seeing The Dark Knight in theaters for the first time again, or seeing... uh, i guess mad max is another comparison Mm -hmm. like it's just an incredible action movie and i'm terrified that these two sequels are just going to be so bad but hope for the best they're making two sequels yeah back-to-back sequels Mm. so that four chris McQuarrie mission impossibles in total half the series it's See, weird. if you want
1: to kill yourself, you want as many opportunities as <laughs> you can true. get. So if he doubles the chances that he can get killed, two movies worth it's of a very appealing yeah. project for Tom Cruise. <laughs> so they can be reunited with Xenu or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> reunited? He's met him before? He, he's the ambassador. Colin, he went clear. He I'm, I, I'm sure he's at, at least one, like life flash before your eyes or like weird metaphysical moment on the set of a Mission Impossible movie.
0: Or he has like some weird portal or he can see it to another dimension. <laughs> but it really worked like, once. Where he can talk to <laughs> Z Yeah. He he did it once and he was like, I don't I can't handle this kind of power. It must be
2: destroyed. No. That sounds like a He can handle that power itself. once he's done enough stunts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: once he's, his body is in the best shape possible.
2: Which we I'm pretty sure with the power of Scientology he'll just continue to get in better shape. As he ages.
1: I'm sure in one of the upcoming movies he'll be able to fly, like, for real. Yeah. He's just going to be that in shape that he can know how to... I one of those squirrel <laughs> suit things. Just flex himself Actually, that's a good gravity. idea first, time We should just come up with our own stunts. You're like, a squirrel S- suit? Squirrel suit thing? Shh, over an active volcano? Mm-hmm. It's got to be something over something really dangerous.
2: I think that would be good, because they would... The thing I've heard about those, those squirrel suit things is <laughs> yeah. that... Like thirty percent of the people that do that die on their first try. So <laughs> that can't be the right percentage.
0: <laughs>
2: but maybe yeah. it's because there's no like, yes, you have a pale uh, a parachute, but there's nothing you can do if you ram into something. You just die. <laughs> um so yeah, let's, let's hope that they can do something like that. Um it's a kind of a different level of stunt choreography in our next pick but nonetheless it's it's uh, very impressive and that's uh roma uh
1: you gotta time yourself with the shots there's a lot of long yeah, camera movements a lot of long takes different, you're right different kind of stunt in your mark
2: mm-hmm. uh, the thing that guillermo del toro revealed to everyone recently is that a lot of the mexico city in this was blocks of city that they built on a set really? it wasn't real
1: that's amazing i mean it looked old yeah. I, I just assumed yeah, it just me being ignorant american that mexico still looked like that and that it still looked really old and stuff so that's <laughs> even more incredible that mm-hmm. they built that stuff because it looked real and lived in and aged
0: yeah.
1: like he traveled back in time using his prisoner of azkaban <laughs> technology in the 70s <laughs>
2: That's the thing. We have the time travel ability, but we can only use it for like to go like go to cool to go to school, make movies. I <laughs> <laughs> can't really change the timeline too much. Just kind of benefit yourself personally. This
1: yeah. was your number one.
0: Yeah, and I don't know what to say about. it. <laughs> I guess it's just another movie where I, I, I found the filmmaking just really intoxicating. The black and white cinematography is. Just, Gorgeous, and it has, uh, I don't know, it just has a a unique way of making this very small, specific story feel, like, epic, and, like, grand, and just beautiful, and, um, yeah, I, I just really responded to it, and I was glad I saw it in a theater, and, uh, but at the same time, you know, I think it's it's fine that Netflix picked it up because more people will see it because a black and white art house movie is not exactly In Spanish. Yeah, people are going to rush out to see automatically, but if, you know, there's word of mouth and it's easily available, hopefully more people are, are seeing it. And, uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, Alfonso Cuaron's a filmmaker where I've pretty much liked all his movies like a lot it's just unfortunate that he takes a long time in between movies maybe because he does ones that are very ambitious and you know not the most conventional like like Gravity or or like this one where you know it's clearly he wants to put a lot of detail into the world he's creating but he might not always have the funding or, or or resources he needs but whenever he gets to tell a story he does it very well
2: yeah you know he kind of uh disappeared from my mind um as uh we had the like uh the, i guess just two uh, alejandro gonzalez in movies and then a guillermo del toro movie the year after that yeah. um so he was kind of the, the the third of the three amigos that have been kind of left behind in in, in recent memory for me especially yeah. with Inurito uh, getting so into the long takes which had kind of been uh Coran's thing yeah. uh, but he he definitely uh shows us his mastery of those in this the uh, the riot sequence is, is pretty incredible and i also like the forest fire yeah. um, just a great uh collection of characters in this movie uh, some quirky, others intensely relatable. Uh, I, I mentioned in my post. I really like the uh, like wrestling or whatever star that's like teaching the people martial arts, and he shows off his amazing stunt, which is to like raise one leg to his knee and then like put his hands over his head, but do it with his eyes closed, and so no one else can do it.
0: Yeah, and it definitely like. <laughs> kind of veers In all these different directions As far as tone And sometimes light And and sort of comedic And sometimes it's like Kind of scary and visceral And sometimes it's just really beautiful And
2: it, it, yeah, it just goes in a lot of different places Yeah, it's worth mentioning That goofy scene ends with The father of her child saying If you ever find me again, I'll kill you yeah. So... Light and dark. I like
1: that in a uh, movie that was his story. He was also the cinematographer. I found that really yeah interesting. I mean, makes it even like double personal. <laughs> <laughs> Another very personal. Story yeah, oh, that there you very go. personal is Shirkers, Shirkers because it was about Sandy Tan, who was from Singapore, and in the early nineties, her and her friends made a movie in singapore which was pretty rare there wasn't really that there wasn't really a filmmaking scene in singapore if you guys know like the reputation of singapore it's a very strict kind of i, I can't think of a better word for it but a very strict place like the game chew gum in singapore right mm-hmm. so the course it doesn't have any like artsy stuff and she loved like punk rock and jim jarmusch and so she made her own weird david lynchian kind of film where she's going out and she stars in it she wrote it she plays a teenager and she's going around killing people and it all the clips that they show from it are just fascinating. Like, it definitely seems like this is some weird thing that would end up in the Criterion Collection at some mm. point. Like, it's that. Like, it, it seems that unique. Um, but she did not direct it. Her, uh, her professor in Singapore directed it, and he was this weirdo guy. And then uh, when she went back to school, because she did study with him, but then she went to go study off in London, and her friends also studied overseas, uh, he took the film and disappeared. And then the footage was lost for like 25, 30 years. And this is her documentary interviewing um, her friends and the people that worked on it about the making of it and then about the mystery of the weird director guy who lied about who he was, where he was from, everything. And just kind of, uh, yeah, it's like, it's, it's like part making of, part mystery thriller, which I've, I'm noticing more and more something that I really love in documentaries is when it's a very unique hook but then it turns into a mystery. <laughs> <laughs> Almost like it would work really well as a miniseries or something. But I think it works well as as a movie. Yeah,
2: it made me think of a few other documentaries when I was watching it. Um, like Yoderowski's uh, uh, Dune definitely came to mind. Yeah, and then this for documentary sure. Documentary about a lost film. Uh, Searching for Sugar Man, a little bit. And that like there's this not prolific like, like Sugar Man was but this person who affected all these people's lives and no one really knew who he was and he just disappeared yeah and that aspect of it reminded me of that
1: that needs to be a these these need to be a subgenre of documentary called the what could have been genre. <laughs> like all these these movies about art that seems like it had so much potential to be something so much bigger mm-hmm. and that we feel like oh man it, it sucks that we never got more of that but maybe like that being presented in a documentary is the best form that we could get this story and all this art like mm-hmm. Uh, you know they can't finish Shirkers, or at least they don't want to, because they don't have any of the audio. So they'd have to all that'd be a whole process, and who knows if it'd be as good or if it'd make as much sense to finish a movie from the '90s now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's kind of nice getting in this interesting package of a documentary where we can just kind of reflect on it and think about think about it. Think about it. And as someone who makes films and has not finished stuff, I know that feeling. I can't even imagine what it's like when you actually sink like your life savings into something yeah. too, and then it's all gone. Like that's devastating. It seems like it kind of like took away her youth, in many ways. Like she put everything she had into that, and because like Sandy, like she went on to be like a film critic, and Mm -hmm. one of her other friends was like a filmmaker. But I mean, yeah, she never really pursued that 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 career after what happened.
2: Yeah, and and I also think their um, their sort of portrait of this George character is is really interesting. He's a type of person I've never seen before not exactly this type of person where he's obviously uh charming and intellectual but also very petty and they they not to give too much away but they they give a they 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 find out that he's basically someone who mentors people and when they start surpassing him he sucks away whatever it is that they're making and disappears and uh (laughs) that's such a bizarre dick move really pissed me off (laughs) um also this is a super stylish documentary i feel like gotta make it very clear that like the the movie is out there but the whole documentary is very stylish
1: uh and it's on netflix con so you can watch it i know how much you love watching movies on netflix
0: i love it i watched um a couple movies <laughs> a I, think,
1: I think Netflix and like Hulu have been great for documentaries if one thing you know? yeah because uh, I'm not saying that it's better to watch a documentary on streaming than it is in a theater but sometimes you know, they don't get really get great releases in theaters yeah. so it's kind of nice to get that chance to see it at all
2: <laughs> <laughs> especially Hulu they've had they've had a very strong documentary. Really, Department Really struggling to think of the last time I saw a documentary in theaters
0: uh, We saw um, Won't You Be My Neighbor
2: in theaters. Oh <laughs> It was like May <laughs> <laughs> So long um, But at that same theater We also saw our next pick uh, Shoplifters Yeah
0: I uh, felt <laughs> like I had to put it on my list Just because it was the only movie I remember seeing this year where multiple people were crying after the movie was <laughs> over, like, openly. And it's... Yeah, the way the movie gets you there to the ending is... It, it sneaks up on you, because, you know, it has a bunch of twists and turns, I suppose, at the end, but also at the same time, like, when you're watching the first half, you, you kind of just think you're watching a... a kind of character drama about a family and obviously a family who has uh, you know (laughs) i I don't know questionable motives since they adopt this uh young girl who they kind of just find her on the street and they're about to take her home but they find that her parents are like seem to be abusive or, or don't really want her but they don't really they don't really try to give her back to her parents, you know, mm-hmm. as much as normal people would. And, you know, as you get deeper into the movie, you see that they're not really normal people as far as their relation to, uh, the law. I mean, it, the movie starts where you see, um, the father and his son, like shoplifting, obviously it's the name of the film. And, um, yeah, I think just the way it, it gets you to feel empathy for these characters while also seeing that they're incredibly flawed is just, uh, you know, something that takes you by surprise in a very emotionally affecting way.
2: Yeah, one of uh, two movies I saw in 2018 that had um, social workers as sympathetic villains, mm-hmm. uh, which. I think it's very easy in movies like this to have sort of like a hunt for the wilder people style, like social workers are diabolical (laughs) villains. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and to show you here that like, like on paper, both in, in leave no trace and in uh, shoplifters, there are bad situations, uh, at least on paper that need to be changed. And, um, and and then find out even more details. And in both movies, you find out more details that actually make it pretty convincing that uh, these were unsustainable situations as well. Um, I really liked it too. It seemed very Japanese in a way <laughs> that I can't quite put my finger on. So I hesitate to even say that. But it just yeah. it felt that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think the, the. I mean, I don't think you get. The last act of that movie from America. Why do you say that? I I don't know. It's, <laughs> I'm scared to say it. Yeah, it's it's just how I feel, I guess.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, you're more
2: uh, and, informed and, and, and in not, the ways of Japan. Not right that right I mean. think it would only come from Japan, but I, like I could like it could, I, you could convince me that I was a Korean. Film would would would, ha- would write the same ending, yeah. but it, it felt more in line with something like I Saw the Devil or Old Boy, which are both Korean films, not Japanese <laughs> films, <laughs> than than the endings of, of something like Leave No Trace. Mm-hmm. So here's the other movie that was on all three of our lists. Yeah, sorry to bother you. <laughs> now that's a great American ending. Yeah, let me tell you, <laughs> a, a classic story as old as all this time. <laughs>
1: Ugh. it's too scary. I wanted to have a happy <laughs> ending. And I guess in a way it has a the right thing happens after that, like the post credits thing. Fuck dude. Um it's funny that we, uh, I feel like you saw, you saw this when we were doing Criterion Month, right? And didn't you watch like Repo Man? Yeah, like and I
0: think I enjoyed Repo Man less because it wasn't as insane as this <laughs> movie. It's, it's funny I cause like, when I was
1: watching, I was like, this does remind me of like the weirdness of something like Repo Man, but yeah. like up another level. Well, it's really hard to mm. think of what it was similar to, but I guess that's what makes it so good. Yeah. Is that it keeps going. Weirder places, but like it makes sense. Like it's it's like satire. Like it's it's not just nonsense or something. Mm-hmm. But it's fucking scary. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it on Christmas Eve. Wow. <laughs> yeah.
2: And you and you made it unspoiled that whole time.
1: I knew there was something in it, like stuff in it that wasn't like human per se in a way I, thought, I assumed everyone was talking about like aliens or something because yeah. I know when you're talking about Repo Man it's like oh maybe this must also as aliens in it and it's not you know horse people
2: <laughs> what are they calling? them? Equi sapiens? yeah equisapiens. sapiens <laughs> <laughs> they're just such, you know, like, scary public people I guess,
1: I guess you know what, I, mean, I don't know why I didn't think of this it kind of has a Terry Gilliam feel in that respect yeah,
0: yeah. I guess his um, films never seem as attached to reality as this one is.
1: Yeah, but. like this one definitely, you know, obviously coming from like a black perspective gives it something that's re- um, prevalent and relevant in America. But also, like, there's like the pokes at Amazon and stuff, mm-hmm. slave labor. <laughs> just go live there at Amazon. There's that weird cribs show. It's like, check out my bunk. <laughs> I just, it's, a, it, it was amazing to me how many I were in it yeah but they never felt like they're just you're just throwing in the kitchen sink like it always felt like these all added to the theme and you know it just built upon it it was like this weird fleshed out world that was like nightmarish but. <laughs>
2: yeah it felt very like even though it was obviously a satire of 2010s america yeah. the sort of dystopia feel felt very like 80s dystopia to me for some reason it had the the mm. same vibe that like a robocop had in, in I a mean, the, the, satire
0: yeah i mean the 80s were kind of the height of capitalism as a state of mind i guess <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah it, 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 it makes sense that it feels so like chocked full of ideas just because boots riley i know had been working on this script and trying to get it made for a long time and even like his hip-hop group the coup had made a concept album based on the screenplay for the movie so it's like he, he had a lot of bubbling <laughs> bubbling up in regards to what he was going to put in this movie and he, he definitely nailed it <laughs> it's definitely something else
1: also it was fun to watch for me and this being the year that i checked out all of atlanta and then some of the TiVo Atlanta ones episodes had like cookies and be like, Hey I don't you don't really like to do this kind of stuff, but check out Sorry to Bother You and it was just uh, cool to see him in that <laughs> and then see him in this and just kind of see him grow as a as an actor.
2: <laughs> so that was that was a treat for sure. Also the second Tessa Thompson movie on this list. She was also yeah. in Annihilation. But we didn't see Creep Two.
0: And she didn't show up in Avengers. I know Despite
1: being in that universe You had to bring that up And now I'm on i uh, I'm trying to think of Every other actor That's on multiple movies <laughs> <laughs> it makes a lot That's all I can think about Right now <laughs> Well no
2: John You gotta focus Because we gotta talk about Support the girls now uh,
1: Yeah I, I, I really like Sean something you said About this movie really stuck with me In that It feels like the pilot episode Of a TV show <laughs> Which it really does I, I really would like to see These characters more In like a series mm-hmm. Uh, just because they have that chemistry and it has that feel of there's just so much that can like happen to them but I, I do like that it's like even though I don't know I feel like it's been done I think I mentioned that it had been done a couple of times or at least in the movie waiting like this working at uh, what's like working at a place that sucks and all in one day and all this stuff that can go wrong and right
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but it is interesting not really knowing that industry and also just yeah the performances I don't,
2: I don't have a whole lot to say well, I mean, first of all, it stars the, the the friend from the scary movie movies. Who knew she was such a good actress? <laughs> I mean, how closely have you been following her career? Though? None! Zero! Except for the scary movie because movies. Because
1: uh, Regina Hall was in um, Girl's Trip, right? Wasn't she, like, the, the oh. main character of Girl's
2: Trip? Oh, see, I forgot that movie it existed. Just, we're just
1: not, it's just not, yeah, we're not following that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was actually surprised that she hasn't been like in any of the awards talks because I think it's my favorite performance like for, for an actress it, for the year, so nothing. I don't know. I guess it's just too small. It doesn't help that it's from Andrew Bolchowski, however the fuck you say his name, I've never known, because he's consistently made like the smallest movies, and this is kind of like a
2: breakout for him, I think, so breakout and made hundred twenty nine thousand dollars. I mean breakout in terms of critically, <laughs> for sure. Um was this released
0: in theaters or was this a Yeah it was released in theaters, the- I okay. think
1: for it, so probably like super, super small. Yeah. But I think it had it had a, like a better like a, a director with maybe a more wildly like I don't know. I, not that he's like a bad reputation, but it's, it's certainly like I don't know if it's is his past or his history was really helping him sell this movie because his other movies aren't anything really like this. I mean, they're, they're comedies, but, you know, he started as, like, the, the godfather of Mumblecore and then made weird stuff like Computer Chess and some mm-hmm. other stuff I've never heard of. And then this comes out of nowhere. And it just feels so much more fully formed. If I, like, I feel like it's the best thing he's done.
2: Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Um, although my only frame reference is Computer Chess and computer chess is a deliberately off-putting movie i think it's really good but yeah um it's very different from support the girls which just wants you to love it and it's very easy to
1: yeah with regina hall and hayley richardson who's like should be a superstar by now right what's going on i don't get it i don't get why why some people become stars what else she's Columbus, columbus right yeah but that those are two great performances yeah they're small though they are small. I mean, we'll see. There's still plenty of time. Look at uh, what's her name, Olivia Cook. She got to be in Ready Player One. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Biggest movie of our lifetime.
1: <laughs> you know, that was a, a movie I totally. Uh, her other movie that from from last year, Thoroughbreds, which we all saw. Yeah, that yeah. was I pretty haven't good. Really thought about it in a while. That was really good too.
2: It was. I'd be curious to see what that director does next. Yeah, he must have made that a while ago. What's he been doing? <laughs> a while ago? as in,
1: I mean, he just came out last year. What do you mean?
2: Well, because Anton Yelchin died several years oh, ago. Oh, that's
1: true. Yeah, you're right. God, that's crazy. Hmm. Peace. Uh, oh, We only got one more left, huh? Yep. Yep. I and mean, this is one of the ones that Sean and I watched while like, you were uh, yep. on your trip.
0: For Along them. with Support the Girls. No, we watched it really. Okay. Well, Minding the Gap and yeah. Shirkers.
1: We actually, well, I said really too. Yeah, okay. Well, but it was we one did. of those. We did
2: watch them all in like the week you were gone, though.
1: It was like I was basically like I feel like I watch Shirkers and Sean watch Shirkers, and I know Sean watched Money in the Gap, so then I have to watch Money in the Gap. it's <laughs> so like we kept trying to match each other.
0: Well, if it's any consolation, I'm intrigued by all of them from your guys' recommendations. I don't know if I'll watch them, but I eh, maybe I should. We'll see.
1: I feel like Three Identical Strangers got a okay theatrical release. There's definitely mm-hmm. a couple of points where it's like it was an option for us to go see it, yeah. but and I was intrigued, but I wasn't sure like why it was like a must see. And I don't, I don't feel like it's really until you get into it, until you get past the initial hook, that you realize oh, there's so much more to this story because mm-hmm. the initial hook is that three brothers who in like 1980. Um, they were all uh, separated. Uh, they were all um, as, as babies and then adopted by different families. And then they all reunited. They didn't know they had brothers. They all reunited um, as young adults and kind of became celebrities.
2: Um, they even opened a restaurant, Triplets. Which I think maybe is still open. <laughs> it's hard to tell from Google. No way, right? <laughs> I found a place. It was like Triplets Old New York Steakhouse. <laughs> well, I was looking
1: up an article from the early 90s about triplets and i know that it was jewish food mostly it could have evolved into steakhouse mm-hmm. potentially it was like you know the, uh, very authentic jewish dishes
2: yeah because it was there it was the the one stepfather that kind of led the restaurant right we're yeah. getting very into the specifics of this story <laughs>
1: but like yeah that first half is very like like heartwarming and it's like this is so crazy that this has happened it, you know it, it's kind of like an uplifting story I think that's why it was such a big news story back then and why there are celebrities they're even like in a Madonna movie yeah mm-hmm. like in one. Oh, yeah. show, there's like they, they showed a clip from it where there's like uh, I think it's that one with her and um, Rosanna Arquette that's really um, seeking season yeah but there's like a scene where like madonna walks by and they're all like on a street corner and they're like hey still like looking at her <laughs> <laughs> and like all that stuff's fun but then they get deeper into this uh the agency that you know the adoption agency that split them up and then like the reason and it's like because the reasoning they give is like oh no one wants to take like three babies it's hard to have a family that will adopt um babies, but it's like that's a lie. There's so much more to it, and they kind of like dig deep into that. And that's what I was talking about earlier. This is a movie that it sells you with that hook, and then turns into like some sort of mystery thriller. Mm -hmm. And that's what that's the part that I really that really uh, grabbed me.
2: Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's probably the most interesting story of any of the documentaries I saw last year. Uh, It's definitely the craziest. Yeah. um that said the filmmaking didn't i think live up to the standards set by some of the other documentaries we talked about
1: you mean in terms of how it's mostly talking
2: heads yeah and- i mean i mean and that's that's kind of i think you have to lower your expectations because it is a co-production of CNN films yeah. and <laughs> channel 4 which is uh one of the tv channels in the uk right so it's not um it's not you know it's not in the same conversation as the as a stylish movie like uh, um, shirkers but it's such a compelling story and uh, (coughs) hearing the people involved in it tell their story is obviously going to be more compelling than looking this up on wikipedia and getting the whole thing in five minutes Um, and it's also the number one i want the most uh, sequel follow-up to is (laughs) um, they're at the very end they're like we're trying to use this documentary to find more out.
1: Yeah. I think that's the reason why all the documentaries on my top ten, it was the highest. It's because it was the one that compelled me most to learn more. Because, I mean, in none of these films, you always feel like there's more story to be told, but in this one especially, you feel like there could still be some, like, earth-shattering stuff on the horizon, maybe, that these brothers are going to discover.
2: Let's hope so. Uh, because there's nothing i hate more than cold hard science and math but that's what we need to do right now is we have 20 movies and we need to have 10 movies so that we can put them in an order so it uh, looks like we've taken buster scruggs annihilation cam and ghost stories off the list I'll also take first man off the list um, oh sean to answer your
1: question jason clark He's only an inch taller than Ryan Gosling, but he's got to be like got like 30 pounds, 40 pounds on him, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Because he's way bigger. He seems I guess, so much bigger. <laughs>
0: I guess we'll just take off all the movies that were only on one of our lists. I don't know if we'll have well, Maybe
1: we do that, that first that to see how many there are, and then add <clears throat>
2: some crazy spreadsheet action for those viewers. <laughs> Crunching the numbers. Um, and... The Dogs was on Collins list. Mind the Gap was on John's <coughs> list. Mission dun, dun. Impossible was somehow on Collins list.
0: <laughs> Number ten. Uh, I just wanted to make you happy,
2: Sean. Shirkers is only on John's list. Support the girls was only on John's list. Great Ancle Strange is only on John's mm-hmm. list. Uh-oh. One, Uh-oh. two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. So we only need to lose one more movie.
1: Uh, sh- okay. Well, it's probably one of mine. Uh, shirkers, I guess, for me. Okay. If I turn, if I have to go in terms of ranking on my personal list.
2: So we have our ten. Let's put them in an order. Is Avengers number ten. Yeah. Wait. So,
0: <laughs> uh, what are some of these only on? John's list?
2: Yes But Sean's seen some of them But I've seen all of them
0: Well, you guys have seen some that I took off too Okay so Well,
1: know. you start taking
2: them off Let's hear that I just
0: assumed we would just take off all the ones that were only on one list But
2: then that would be too many Yeah Okay, so what do you want to bring back?
0: Um, I guess if Beale Street could talk would make the most sense Since I think you both gave it honorable mentions
2: Sure Okay So if we bring that back, we gotta lose one though um,
1: you can lose um, three identical strangers.
2: Okay, that's uh, that works for that's me. Good. Are we okay with this? This ten now? I, sure. <laughs> Do you want to get shoplifters back on the list? No, I don't care.
0: Um, that's fine. That so I'd be i be. Okay. I'm more just being, whatever. Yeah, Avengers at ten. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and then uh, I don't know. I guess either if Beale Street could talk or uh, support the girls would make more s- would make sense. I I okay. guess if Beale Street could talk would be number nine since um support the girls was a little higher on John's list. I think it's number two actually.
1: Sounds good to me. Well, Sean I guess would be the tiebreaker seeing both of those movies.
2: Um. do it like that. <laughs> yeah i think this is fine if you guys want i, I do have, i have like a longer version of my list i can see which one i ranked higher um yeah i ranked beale street higher than support the girls but they're very close <laughs> all, all right, right this, is, this is fine yeah this is fine because john likes support the girls i think more than colin likes beale street yeah
0: next um
2: I feel like um, maybe Isle of Dogs doesn't get to go much further. Yeah, Um, that's just kind of my instinct based on how I think you guys feel about it. I I mean, yeah,
0: it's hard. I I actually liked it a lot. Yeah, it was was actually your three. It was my number two. (laughs) So I don't know. Um, I I never saw my Nick the Gap. But it did end up on both of your Liz. And it sounds like something I would like.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Mining the Gap was really good. It was my number seven. So that's that's the spot we're talking about right now. Yeah. Coveted seven spot. Um, Then do it. Yeah. Okay. So that puts Mining the Gap at number seven. So that's leaving us with eighth grade, first performed, Isle of Dogs... Mission Impossible, which, mm-hmm. how much higher can that go? You love it, Sean. Roma, I'm sorry to film. So, John loves Support the Girls.
0: Yeah. True. Okay. But I don't think he loves it as much as
2: you love Mission Impossible. I don't think
1: anybody loves anything as much as Sean loves Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, Did anybody else watch a movie three times last year? Three times Well Avengers. <laughs> Avengers. <laughs> gotta crank it up
0: now. I gotta bring it up. I don't know if I watched a movie two times last year. Yeah. Um since we were talking about it, maybe we should just put Isle of Dogs at six.
2: Yeah, I'm think I think the three that I think come next in some order are Isle of Dogs, Mission Impossible, and Eighth Grade. Yeah. Um
0: Just to review,
2: 8th grade wasn't on John's list. Yeah, it Was Collins number 4, my number 5. Mission Impossible, Collins number 10, my number 1. <laughs> so I think those both average out to be about a 5. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I can put 8th grade lower than Mission Impossible, just because... Your love knows no stunts. bounds. Yeah, <laughs> no, no stunts. It
2: had some pretty harrowing just, scenes, just
0: like kids jumping in pools. Those were the only stunts. No
1: <laughs> helicopter stuff.
0: Yeah,
2: it's not that
1: I can recall. <laughs> I need to watch it again.
2: Okay, and this is and now we're getting into the thing where it's like we have the two movies that are on everyone's list, and then the one other movie. So it's, that's the number three, right? Roma is number three.
0: I guess. Where was it on your list, Sean? It like number
2: three? Roma was my number three. Just make okay.
0: it number one. Roma? <laughs>
2: yeah. But First Reform. Everyone says the rest movie of the year. But First Reform started to bother you. Were on all of our lists. They were high on our lists. Well, not my list. But they're high on your <laughs> list.
0: <laughs> not my list. Um... Yeah, I kind of figured maybe sorry to bother you would be number one. All actually. right, let's make that number one uh, I feel like it was sorry to bother our you top five.
2: Yeah, is great. That's a great pick for us. Okay, but then we have to go back and pick a two and three. Do you want Roma at two and first Reformed at three? Sounds fun. This is a fun. I like this list. This is a good list. <laughs> nice mix of stuff. Um, you're gonna
1: know, watch all these movies in a weekend. You're gonna have it, right? you're gonna experience a lot yeah. of things, a lot of emotions.
2: Yeah, nothing's more 2018 on this list than Sorry About You. <laughs> Rome is timeless, but in first performs 2010s, but mm-hmm. not as not as 2018.
0: <laughs> anyway, so uh, that it might be more 2020s. <laughs> the way things are going. Yeah. Oh, no.
2: 2030s, who knows? Um, so, our uh, top ten movies of 2018 are, in this order, number ten, Avengers Infinity War, number nine, If Beale Street Could Talk, number eight, Support the Girls, number seven, Minding the Gap, number six, Isle of Dogs, number five, Eighth Grade, number four, Mission Impossible Fallout, number three, First Reformed, number two, Roma, and our number one movie of 2018... Sorry to bother you. Um, yeah, you can read those lists over at mildlypleased.com. Uh, you've kind of heard our, our defense for each of these films, but if you want to see what we wrote, um, they're there. And uh, also you can find other lists uh, like our favorite TV shows and, uh, and also those podcasts, which you can also just find on iTunes by searching for Mildly Pleased. All our podcasts in one easy feed. Uh, up next is our anticipated movies of 2019 so hopefully we'll get that one out pretty soon thanks for bearing with us in our very very late end of the year wrap up um, and uh, we'll speak to you next
0: so